Welcome to Order Up, the restaurant operations podcast brought to you by Ops Analytica. Hey, this is Tommy Anolis, one of the founders of Ops Analytica, and I want to thank you for checking out the Order Up podcast. Look, if you're trying to run better, safer, and more profitable restaurants, the easiest way to do that is through management by checklist. And the Ops Analytica Inspector can help you manage your checklists by driving visibility into your organization. You can see what's happening when you're not there. It gives you a way to hold your managers more accountable to doing what you expect them to do. And it provides an effortless means to give follow-up to drive the results that you want. So check us out online at opsanalytica.com or just search Restaurant Checklist app. Thank you so much. All right. Hello, everyone. This is Eric Tversland, the uh, host today of Order Up, uh, the Restaurant Ops podcast. And um, today we've got a great guest, Ari from Zingerman's. He's got um, an amazing amount of businesses that are all in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And uh, he's going to, you know, tell us about his experience in the industry. He's been in restaurants for a really long time. Um, His business ranges from a deli, a mail order service, um, coffee, uh, a bakery, catering, food tours, and camp bacon. So how can you not like somebody that uh, (laughs) hosts a bacon camp? And uh, so I think it's going to be a really good uh, interview. And he's a very interesting, uh, neat guy that I just met recently, and and we've been looking forward to getting this one on the calendar for a long time. So, Ari, thank you for uh, joining us today. Really appreciate it. I know you're very busy. Everybody's busy. I'm happy to do it. (laughs) Great. Um, Okay. So, Ari, why don't you just go ahead and uh, introduce yourself and then just talk about how... Uh, you know, you got into the restaurant business and yep. your career pr- progression and from your first job and, you know, where you are today. Okay, you got it. Uh, I grew up in Chicago, so I guess probably approximately halfway between where you are and, and where I am now. Uh, came up to Ann Arbor to go to school at, at University of Michigan. I studied Russian history, a uh, particular focus on the anarchists, which if you want, we can come back to you later. I've actually written quite a bit about it. Uh, after I graduated, I was pretty much clueless about what to do next. There, of course, is nothing you can do with a history degree, which was, you know, not a shock or bothersome. It was supposed to be a stepping stone to uh, some other advanced degree that I failed to ever get. But uh, most I just knew I didn't want to move back home. And uh, in order to do that, I needed a job. I had worked in uh, as a taxi driver part-time while I was in school. That was not a whole lot of fun, uh, particularly. So I thought I would go apply at a restaurant in town that one of my college roommates was waiting tables at. Seemed like a good place to work. And so I went in there hoping to get a job also waiting tables. And my still standing belief it's the best way to make a lot of money in the food business in a hurry is to work uh you know, in a serving uh, in a busy restaurant. And back in those days, tips were mostly in cash too. So you could really uh, wink, wink, do quite well. But anyways, <laughs> uh, they didn't need any servers. They told me they'd call me. I waited two weeks. I went back and reapplied uh, for, as a busser and said, you know, maybe I could get promoted if I do good work. And they said, sounds great. We'll call you. And they didn't call me. And two weeks later, I was pretty much out of cash. So I went back and offered to do anything. And they said, do you want to wash dishes? And never having worked in food, I didn't know that was sort of an undesirable job. So I just said, sure, I'll wash dishes. And that's how I started. So uh, it'd be a far more glamorous entrepreneurial story. Uh, I can't remember who I heard your interview on the other 
on a different podcast. Uh, oh, uh, maybe Adam, Adam Frager. No, he got uh, from John Elton. Lewis, maybe. No, he grew up in in L.A. and he, from the time he was a kid, he loved restaurants. And I'm like the total opposite. I never paid any attention to food. Uh, <laughs> was completely not in my thought process. Uh, I grew up on a sort of standard mid 20th century industrial food diet of American singles, Kraft macaroni and cheese, Mrs. Paul's fish sticks, you know, pop tarts, tang, uh, Jello, all those great things. Uh, and then. <laughs> I had the, the new book I just uh, came out with a couple of weeks ago is on the power of beliefs in business. And in hindsight, I had very negative beliefs about business. Uh, and I always thought business was a bad thing that did bad things to people. So I didn't have much interest in being part of one. So there was no, you know, lifelong dream of opening my own restaurant. I didn't have a passion for food or cooking. I mean, none of that was really in my mind at all. I just needed a job to pay my rent. And uh, so that's really how I, I, I got into it. So I really just got lucky. I stumbled into it you know, a line of work that I really love. Uh, I would, you know, I meet a lot of people in the world that hate their jobs and I gladly would sign up for another hundred years of doing this one because there's so much more learning and teaching and cooking and traveling that I want to do. Uh, and then also met great people. So Paul Saginaw, who's been my partner in all this from the beginning, was the uh, GM at that restaurant when I started washing dishes. That's how we met. Uh, Frank Carollo, who's one of the partners in our bakery, which you mentioned, uh, was a line cook. And Maggie Bayless, who's the partner in Zing Train, uh, which is actually where I'm sitting right now, which is our training business, uh, was a cocktail waitress. So, you know why we were all there together? I don't really know, but we're now uh, getting close to four decades later. We're still working together and we still like each other and we're still having a good time. So uh, I just I just got lucky, really. And I, I started prepping and line cooking uh, and managing kitchens. So my background, uh, as everybody listening to this will understand, was all back of the house. Um Paul left about halfway through the four years that I worked for that restaurant group uh, and opened a little fish market that's uh, here in Ann Arbor called Monahan Seafood Market with Mike Monahan. It's actually one of the best in the country. And uh, he and I stayed friends. And, and fall of 81, I'd been working. It was almost four years I'd been working for them. And uh, it just was becoming increasingly uh, less fun, let's say. It wasn't horrible. I didn't hate going to work. But it was just really ever more clear to me sort of where they were going and where I was going were not the same place. And they're still here in town. They have six, seven restaurants. I mean, they're certainly nice people and a good company. But they were, you know, what I wanted to do with food in terms of quality of ingredients and stuff and what I wanted to do in terms of manager, management techniques was uh, diverging further and further food business can relate to. So uh, Paul happened to call me like two days later and he said there was this little building coming open. Uh he and I had worked together, uh, like I said, and we had talked about doing a deli because he had grown up in Detroit where you could get good deli food. And in Chicago, where I grew up, you could get it, but you couldn't get it in Ann Arbor. And uh, so we went and looked at this little space. The building was built in 1902. Uh, it was built as a corner grocery. And we decided we would do it. And uh, four and a half months later, somehow magically, we actually opened up on March 15th, 82. So uh, the original space was just 1,300 square feet. We had, I think, 29 seats, uh, 25 sandwiches, you know, some smoked fish, some bread from other bakeries, some cheese, uh, a little olive oil, a little honey and mustard. And then we did all the, you know, old school Jewish stuff that we'd grown up with or that you could get at a good deli, chicken soup, homemade, uh, you know, chopped liver, uh, corned beef, pastrami, all that kind of stuff. And, and that's how we got going. 
And uh, today, just fast forwarding, and then we can get into whatever you want. But uh, today, you know, as you described, we've got a whole community of businesses here in the Ann Arbor area. Um, we have about 700 employees organization wide, plus we hire about 300 more at the holidays, mostly for our mail order business. We ship food all over the country. Uh, and then we have uh, Zing Train, which I, I mentioned earlier, which is our training business. And we do uh, training seminars, not on, on food specific stuff, but just on leadership, customer service, uh, visioning, open book management, uh, self-management, all sorts of stuff like that. And we get people there. I mean, a lot of food people for sure, but people from all walks of life. And then in my spare time, I write books too. So I've written a fair few food books. And then uh, I have a book on customer service. And then I just came out with part four of a series on uh, leadership called Zingerman's Guide to Good Leading. And uh, in my spare time between that, I enjoy the rest of my life. Well, I, I make I make good stuff happen, man. There's there's a lot of time in the day if you if you use it well. Right. Um. Okay. Good. I mean, that's amazing that you guys are just in Ann Arbor too. That's well, that's cool. our vision. So the, the we do a lot with visioning here, uh, which is always getting a clear description of the kind of life you want to lead and and what success really looks like. Because most of us are sort of trained to just keep growing and going, but but most people are sort of picking from opportunities as they present themselves or reacting to problems. And the visioning process is where you actually push pause and actually sit down and try to figure out where you want to go. And uh, so our vision talks really just about being here in the Ann Arbor area. Uh, we like to be close to the people we're working with, et cetera. And we only do each business once, not that others have to do that, but I, I like unique things. I don't like copies. So uh, the vision is actually nine pages long. So there's a lot more in there than that, but those are a couple key points. Yeah, that's cool. So you mentioned that you uh, just uh, finished your, I think, fourth book, right? Is that what you said? It's the fourth in the leadership series. I think, I don't know what I got, eight all told, seven or eight. Wow. Okay. Okay, so I imagine the book was your big project. Now that that's out, what's the what's the big project or initiative that you're currently working on? Well, the the book never it's never like I'm only working on a book. I mean, I'm still going to work every day. It's it's sort of my part time yeah. extra job. But uh, we got a lot going on. We just opened an event space uh, for our catering business uh, last week. Uh, we just, uh, we're about 18 months in, we have, a, a another event space out at our farm. So we have a 10 acres of, uh, organic agriculture that, uh, goes to Zingerman's Roadhouse, which is our sit down restaurant. And, uh, and then we, uh, three years ago bought the adjacent land, which had an 1834 house and an 1837 barn. And we renovated those and, uh, we do events, you know, weddings and stuff out there too. And then this fall, we're opening a Korean restaurant. Wow. It's no shortage of projects. <laughs> I'm never bored. Well, that's good. Well, on that note, that's actually a good segue into the next question. Um, what's the one thing either in your business or in the industry that you're seeing that, that's keeping you up at night, although you seem pretty at peace? with what you're doing. Oh, I, so I worked hard at being at peace. I wrote a whole book on part three was on managing ourselves. <laughs> we, there we you actually, go. We actually teach a whole two day seminar on it. Uh, so it's not like I got it all down, but uh, you know, nothing keeps me up at night. Really. I, I can sleep anywhere, anytime. Um, 
But, uh, you know, I, I, I think that we, I don't know. I mean, that's really what the books are about is just sort of sharing our experiences and our screw ups and uh, what we've learned from them and a lot of the recipes and systems that we've developed. And, you know, you guys do, uh, you know, clearly really good work around systems, around uh, food safety and quality checking and, and line checks and all that. Uh, we've created a lot of recipes and stuff for the visioning, for customer service, for servant leadership. Uh, the, the new book is about beliefs. There's a recipe for changing our beliefs, uh, which is a huge thing. There's a recipe for uh, cultivating hope uh, in the people that we manage, et cetera. So we've done a lot of work around that kind of recipe writing. Yeah, cool. Um, what it, we, we like to ask this question because it's um, I heard it on another Charlie Rose interview a long time ago that he asked. But uh, what, what's the one thing – that you thought the industry would be doing at this point, you know, you've been in it since the eighties, right? Uh, and, but, but it isn't, is there, has there been something that you're like, wow, I can't believe we're not doing this yet. I don't know. Nothing really comes to mind. I mean, I, I don't really worry about what the industry's doing. I, I just try to, you know, we try to get better here and let other people do yep. what they do. Um, you know, we're, we're working on raising entry level wages, which is, you know, we're not the only ones. Uh, we just started our employee ownership program this year after six years of working on designing it. We're not finished yet, but it's the, the, the second phase is, is going great. And the third phase will be next year, hopefully. Um, so all that's working. Uh, you know, we, we got a lot going on. We're open book management, uh, which is a whole methodology that we teach a Zing Train seminar on and uh, comes actually from a couple hours south of you from Springfield, Missouri. Uh, from the folks at Springfield Remanufacturing, and it's a whole method of involving other everybody in the organization and running the business, which I, I can't recommend highly enough. Uh, it's life changing. Uh, so we, we we got quite a bit going on, and then I got all this belief stuff, you know, that's now uh, really we're just rolling it out in our own organization. And is the belief stuff centered around business or yeah. your just life in general? Well, it's the same. That's yeah. one of my beliefs. It's all one life. I mean, the okay. book is framed around business, but it doesn't take a genius to figure out it's the same when you go home. Uh, I mean, it's it's framed around business issues, but your relationship, you know, with your wife or whatever is all about beliefs, too. So, you know, and, and but when I'm talking about beliefs, it's not, a you know, the sort of religion, sports, uh, politics sure. stuff is not really what I'm dealing with. It's it's much more uh base level like you know people have negative beliefs about customers that they're out to cheat them or they believe that their employees aren't really very smart uh or they mm -hmm. believe the employees gonna you know so all of what we do in our lives all the actions we take are based on what we believe but most sure. of us don't even know we have a belief and then there's a self-fulfilling cycle that starts with our belief uh, that leads us to act. So if we have, let's say, we're, if, if you, you know, it's not uncommon in the food business, people have sort of negative beliefs about training. You know, employees aren't that right. smart. They're going to leave anyway. Why waste your money? You know, just do as little as you have to. So based on that belief, they do almost no training. Uh, the employees then form a belief about the business and the job based on that, right? So there's no training. They're not developing. They're not learning. They start to believe it's a dead-end job. And then based on that belief, they take action, which is they do kind of mediocre work, uh, which reinforces our original belief that it wasn't worth doing any training because <laughs> look how mediocre the employees are. If you flip it around and you take the approach we have and you say, 
training is a great idea. Employees are all potentially partners or, you know, really great people. So we do a lot of training. Then they start to believe there's really something happening here that they hadn't even imagined could happen, which is they're going to learn and grow as individuals. They're going to learn how to run a business, et cetera. The quality of their work goes up and we go, man, I knew they were good. <laughs> so it's, it's really starts with our beliefs and that, that runs all the way through to the other people's actions. So that, that stuff's going on all day long. Uh, if you have a server who believes the customer's, you know, kind of a jerk, they're going to create a negative cycle around that belief. If you believe that the customer's probably having a hard day and that our job is to help turn their day around, you're much more likely to get a great outcome. Interesting. It makes sense. Makes a lot yeah. of sense. That's, that's only the beginning. I mean, it's, it's, it's going on all day long. I mean, even the fact that I'm on this podcast is based on my belief that it's healthy to share information with other people and, you know, that it helps me to get clear on what I'm thinking and everybody wins. Yeah, I mean, you got it's it's a cool story. So with the employee uh, owned, I've seen that um, you know quite a bit in recent years, and is that is that's come out of I'm guessing your belief, right? You probably went through this whole exercise and and with the organization and got your beliefs down, and and that's part of what you guys came up with out of that session. I'm sorry, you're asking which session. Oh, I'm just saying the whole um, go, moving towards the employee-owned organization, oh. did that come out of your... Well, it, yeah, it comes out of the... I mean, so we, we have managing partners in each business. We started that in 94. Um, so there's actually like 20 managing partners, and we use a consensus model for decision-making at the partner level. So, you know, Paul and I have long had the belief that the sort of more we share ownership and, and, and decision-making through the organization, the better things are going to go. So yeah, that comes out of that belief. So this is sort of the next logical step. Uh, you know, we had 20 managing partners and we've been trying to figure out how to have uh, employees have a way to be owners in the business too. It's easier said than done because there's right. not a lot of great models. And because of the complex way we're organized, it's actually, you know, we actually have like 12 different businesses that legally don't even exist as one organization. Uh, it's not, you know, none of those three or four standard models work. So we've spent years literally coming up with our own way of doing it. But we now have uh, February was the first buy-in period. And uh, the, the stuff that our uh, work group set up was minimum two years of being here. And there were about 400 and something people eligible and about 200 of those bought a share. And we're now this month in uh, August in the second uh, buy-in period. So we'll see how many more do it. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, good stuff. That's interesting. It's pretty, pretty revolutionary, especially in this business, I would think. Well, I, you know, uh, I, I mentioned the anarchists. I mean, I, I, I don't believe the old hierarchical model, which is what most of us are raised in and business in general and certainly in the food business. Uh, you know, where the chef is the king or the queen or whatever. It's just, I don't think it's a healthy model. And I, I, I know you guys have talked a lot about burnout and, you know, people getting exhausted. And I think the hierarchical model is exhausting, right? Because you're pulling everybody all the time. And, you know, when you start to do what we try to do, which is teach everybody how to lead, uh, teach everybody how to run the business, involve everybody in running the business. It's not like all your problems go away, but you got a lot more brain going to work every day trying to figure out what to do and you got a lot more people trying to take proactive role instead of waiting for you to show up and fix everything yeah makes sense empowerment and 
you know, just a part of something bigger than just a job. Yeah, and that's what the vision is, really. And and so the, I would I would say, you know, back to your question about the industry. I mean, I I think most of us. I mean, we didn't write a vision when we started. I never heard of it, you know. But we had one in our heads. Like pretty much everybody that's listening to this podcast, I'm sure had one in their heads. But the problem is that we finished that original vision, and when we get going, it's it's a little easier to not have it written down. You know, you got you and a few people working with you in a small restaurant. Uh, you know, they pick up the vision just by being near you all the time. But as people grow and then they got two places or four places or whatever, you know, they're not there every day. And now they don't want to work 100 hours. They only want to work 80 hours. And, right. you know, so you're not there every second and there's a lot more people. And then no one, they don't know where they're going. And then it's just like prep another, ca- you know, case of onions or wait on another table or clean up the, you know, do your side work again. And it's really like, who cares after a while? And, you know, if if you if you don't have a, a vision in your head of this cathedral that you're all working to to build something amazing that you're a part of, you know, really, what's the point? I mean, so like, imagine trying to have the, I think the Olympics start, I don't know, today or yesterday or whatever. But you know, imagine trying to to run the workout regimen of an Olympic athlete, but there's no Olympics. Right. <laughs> like they just tell you every day, get out there, man. Come on, lift weights again. Two more hours. Let's go. Tomorrow, two more hours, let's go. Tomorrow, two more hours, let's go. After seven years, like, who cares? Yeah, no goal there. And and you can find a job anywhere, right? Absolutely. In, in our industry, I mean, I don't think neurosurgeons can just up and find a new job tomorrow. But but we're not neurosurgeons. So it's it's we all know. I mean, if you find a great line cook, you're going to hire them. Or her, if you find a great server, you're going to hire them too. So in, in our industry, uh, people's skills are very transportable. Yep, that's a good point. Ed, be excited to see how how it all pans out for you. But sounds like it's going well already. Well, we're um, all, we're imperfect like everybody, but we're just you know keep trying to get better. Yeah, no, that's all you can do, right? Yep. So let's see here. This is uh, one of the favorite questions that we ask. Um, tell us about one of the funniest, worst, or craziest things or stories that's happened to you in your career. <laughs> The worst stories. Oh, God, I don't know. We've all screwed stuff up a million times. I'll turn it around and turn it into a good story. Uh, yeah, that's fine. I'm trying to remember what year it was, uh, 2002 or three. So I don't know if you remember, there was the whole East Coast power grid went down. Yep. And it was like a year after 9-11. And so, you know everybody was really on edge. Like, you know, was this another terrorist attack? And, uh, you know, at first we just thought the power was out, you know, it happens. And then you start finding out, no, it's the whole East coast. And we're like on the edge of that power grid, you know, coming into the Midwest. And so there's no power. And I, uh, you know, I'm like, I don't know what to do. (laughs) What do you do? Like, if this isn't something you train for, (laughs) we've all had had power outages, you know, for an hour or a day. Uh, But like, what do you do when the whole, your whole region of the country is out of power and there's nobody has a clue what's going on. And they didn't know it was a, you know, whatever the power plant in Cleveland was where the problem was, but no one really knew. So anxiety was really high. And, uh, you know, I start thinking like, okay, this is back to beliefs, by the way, you know, like what's a, you know, a good leader, like you got to go take charge of everything. And so, you know, I was at the, at the, uh, the deli and I, you know, I, I get into the deli and I, I, I see, you know, they they had taken like the gelato out of the freezer because it was starting to melt 
and they were they like went out on the street and at the stoplight they were handing out free tastes of gelato uh at all the at, to all the cars and you know then I, I was like all right well i'm gonna go out to the bakehouse and they have a generator so people from other parts of the organization were moving stuff into their cooler and then the the this is like when cell phones were just getting going all the salespeople were out on their cell phone calling the clients standing outside because there were no lights in the office <laughs> and you know one was brewing coffee to take it down to the deli so that they could give it out to customers for free and then the people inside the deli took the some of their key products out front and set up a table with you know an old cash register and cash and they were starting to sell stuff to people and you know i just was like you know what this is what we spent 20 years doing they know exactly what to do they don't need me <laughs> and i went for a run <laughs> <laughs> that is a great story and out there just an old school cash register selling stuff you know uh, well, it, was, it was like you, you spent all this time training them to think like leaders and they were and at that point That's i was great like, you know, they don't they don't need me to tell them what to do they know what to do and it was actually it was eerie because it was like this beautiful sunny summer day and actually in fact we were supposed to have our annual plant kickoff meeting that night so like everybody was already sort of in this mode of we're going to get together and uh you know it was a crystal clear blue sky gorgeous day and i was like you know what there's nothing for me to do man my anxiety's just going to get higher and higher i'm going to go home and go run yeah that's great that's great good story well hey thanks you it's been uh it was just great like i said you've got an interesting story and um you were a, a great interview why don't you tell uh, everybody how they can get a hold of you if they're interested in a training yes. or your books or you know obviously people if you're in ann arbor uh stop by one of uh their places it, it seems like it'd be hard to miss any of them it seems like they're all over but <laughs> Well, but uh, my email is ari at zingermans.com. So A-R-I uh, at zingermans.com if people want to email me directly. Uh, our mail order is zingermans.com. Uh, we ship food all over the place. Uh, we actually wholesale from our creamery. We make goat cheese and uh, fresh cow's milk cheeses. So if people have restaurants that are interested in, in, in great artisan cheese, we'd love to sell it to them. Uh, we also have a candy manufacturing. We wholesale that and we wholesale uh, bread and pastry in our area and then coffee too. So we're, we're up for all of that. And then Zing Train, uh, we mentioned a few times is our training business. I, I really believe we're doing some pretty uh, progressive, innovative work with our training, uh, including a seminar on how to do training, which is uh, not glamorous, but hugely, as you and I know, uh, a critical piece of success in our industry. Uh, so that that's all good stuff. And that's at zingtrain.com, which is also where the business books are. Uh, I didn't like working with Amazon, with uh, the big publishers, so we actually went back to doing our own. So we do all the design and all the everything in house, and we we have them printed here in Ann Arbor. So it's uh, basically the 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 publishing equivalent of uh, farm to table. So we do right. the whole thing here, and we distribute them ourselves and all that. So so all that's good, and uh, love to love to have people come and visit. Okay. Yeah. And I think really easiest to go is uh, zingermans.com and they've got links to all the other businesses right there. Yeah. And Love it's actually a, a cool, fun site. So, yeah. And I said, you mentioned Camp Bacon before we do that. Uh, oh yeah. Fundraiser. Uh, the first weekend in June every year, we'll have our eighth annual this coming spring. Uh, we do it as a fundraiser for Southern Foodways Alliance, which I, I really recommend anybody who's listening, who's into traditional food, 
uh, should check it out. They're out of Oxford, Mississippi, which is where Ole Miss is, and they do fabulous work. So, yeah, we bring people together from all over the country. Come, some we got a guy from Australia has been here three years in a row, uh, comes for it. And we do, you know, we have fun and eat bacon, but a lot of educational stuff, history. Uh, we had a talk last year on Cuban pork cooking. We had uh, one guy, Chris Wilson from the Smithsonian, talked about uh, pork in the, in the enslaved community uh, pre-Civil War. Uh, all sorts of stuff like that. Bacon makers come talk about their production techniques and stuff. So it's a pretty cool thing. And we raise money. Ah, that's awesome. Hey, Ari, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. I know you're a busy man. And um, we'll let you go. And we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks, Eric. Take care.